0: Be aware of what your self-talk is and how all of those images that you're seeing factor into your self-talk.
1: Today we're going to be talking about how social media may affect your body image. Let's find out. This is Spot On, a healthy wellness podcast for college students, soon to be college students or anyone that knows a college student. Spot on breaks through the latest health and wellness information hijacked from media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji Blake. I am a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition in You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Do you think that social media photos project a realistic body image? Let's go to the street and find out. My answer would be a very hard no.
0: Obviously, not because everything you see on social media is either like edited or changed to fit like a certain image of people.
1: I mean, the body in the picture is real, so yeah, it is realistic, but at the same time, It's kind of a glorification of a non-realistic body image in which, like, people see an image and they're just like, oh, I could be this body, but then they don't see, they don't really understand what someone had to go through to get that body.
0: I'd say probably not, because I feel like everyone posts the best versions of themselves online, so it's probably not the most realistic. Now with apps, you can, like, change how your body looks, and you can, like, it so that you look thinner or you can like change your face
1: shape. Social media projects unrealistic aspects of life, as in, you only show the good parts of your life on social media and not the bad. So, you would only show a
0: picture that's maybe a distorted picture or a flattering picture of a body, but it may
1: be not realistic.
0: In many capacities, social media images have gone through a filtering process in order to improve aspects an individual likes to see improved on themselves but other times with the invention of things like finstas people allow themselves to be seen in a more holistic and true capacity um i think that we're moving forward in terms of people using less editing and i think also people becoming more aware of the use of facetune and photoshop
1: Today on Spot On, I am so excited about this segment. I have on the phone here calling in is Dr. Roberto Olivardia. He is a clinical uh, psychologist and lecturer in the Department of Psychi- Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He also has a private practice, and he he specializes in, in working with boys and men with um, body image problems and eating disorders and he also works with males and females uh, on this issue. So, he is the author of a book which uh, we're going to talk about and I'm, this is so f- interesting. The title of the book is called The Adonis Complex, which was the first book that discussed this whole full spectrum spectrum, I'm sorry, of male body image problems. Um, so, you know, he, he wrote that in, in 2000. So this is something that's been percolating for some time now. And he has appeared in Time Magazine, Rolling Stones. He's been, he's been featured on Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, VH1. So I am absolutely thrilled for him to be on Spot On today to talk about this very, very important issue. So, Dr. Roberto, thank you so much, and welcome to Spot On.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure.
1: All right. So you have this um, background in this, and you had said that, in, or I read that you, you specialize in something called body dysmorphic disorder. What is that?
0: Sure. So body dysmorphic disorder, or BDD for short, is a psychiatric condition um, that basically is characterized by people who have a preoccupation with an aspect of their appearance. So it could be their skin, their hair, their muscles, their arms, and they really see that body part as ugly, as disgusting. Sometimes they'll use words like deformed, um, inhuman, like they have a very significant Body image distortion about that body part and they are constantly thinking about it obsessed about that body part and it's often coupled with a lot of either compulsive behaviors mm-hmm. like mirror checking or avoidant behaviors like camouflaging that body part um, you know not having people see it if it's something that can be covered up um, it's it's actually a psychiatric condition that's affiliated with a high uh, rate of depression mm-hmm. a high rate of suicide of anxiety um, often it, it will accompany eating disorders mm-hmm. um, and it's basically seen in the spectrum of obsessive-compulsive disorders it's in that family
1: Right. so these could be perceived flaws this is not necessarily it's what the person would uh, think it would be a floor right
0: correct correct so these are the typical patient that I work with I mean they come in and they think that it's obvious what they're preoccupied with and it's not um, they um, there's a whole level of uh, insight that people might have around it and a lot of times with BDD there's very little insight so they're perceived flaws or they might be things that let's say somebody does have freckles on their mm-hmm. face, so there's no there's no distortion, but the way they interpret that, they think that those freckles make them look disgusting when nobody else sees it that way.
1: I see, I see. So when I was doing some homework on this and reading about it, which is, by the way, fascinating, um, they came up with a term called body image dissatisfaction. So what is that?
0: So body image dissatisfaction is basically ways that we all have a body image, which is more or less how we see ourselves physically, but also how we feel about our bodies, our attitudes around it, um, what relevance, what worth and value that we attribute to to that in the world. Um, and so there's a significant number of people that struggle with body image dissatisfaction, where how they see their bodies, how they think and feel about their bodies is quite negative. And there There's a lot of people actually who have body image dissatisfaction who may never develop an eating disorder although Mm -hmm. most people with eating disorders have body image dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. everyone with body dysmorphic disorder has body image dissatisfaction but there are lots of uh, people out there especially college students that struggle with a lot of dissatisfaction and might not think it's important to address because maybe they don't have an eating disorder, mm-hmm. maybe they don't have BDD, but it still can significantly impact your self-esteem.
1: Sure, and I would imagine that would be fatiguing, mentally fatiguing.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of energy that we place on thinking about our bodies and our appearance.
1: You know, what role does the media, and especially social media, have in this perpetuating this body image dissatisfaction?
0: Yeah, so the media, it's interesting. So I, I often will say that, you know, we can't overestimate or underestimate it. So what I mean by that is, so we had eating disorders even historically, you know, if you look at historical accounts of, um, there's a great book called Fasting Girls, which is written about um, documents of eating disorders in the 1700s, and the Mm. 1800s, although they had different meanings around them. A lot of them had to do with religiosity and purity and all these themes around being clean and being a pure person. Um, So certainly before you know, magazines and and music videos and all that came out, we know we had eating disorders. However, media is an incredible fuel to the flame, and social media even more so. And what's uh, probably the biggest difference from when we wrote Adonis Complex in 2000 to now is the influence and the impact of social media. And the younger people that I'm seeing who are affected by body image dissatisfaction. I mean, I treat boys as young as nine and wow. ten with significant body image concerns, and um, there there are apps that you can literally take out quote-unquote flaws, you know, in your appearance. Uh, they're in, you know, in high school yearbooks now. You can have your high school photo that's going to be in your yearbook um, photoshopped, which to me seems kind of strange, because that's what you look like, you know, however you look, and, and what does that mean when we are literally kind of making our faces look it's almost like a form of cosmetic surgery um, so there are countless studies that have been done over the last 10 to 15 years that show that the media has a pretty incredible impact I mean almost instantaneously actually um, in terms of how people feel about their bodies that you can have someone who there are studies that look at people who rate their own body their own appearance and then are exposed to whether it's visual images um, or movies or whatnot and then asked to re-rate their bodies and appearance and you almost see it their satisfaction go down almost instantly
1: right you know it's interesting that you said that about the app because I was reading about this so I did I downloaded one of those apps and I guess you can take a picture of yourself and then you can photoshop it and it tells you bigger eyes smaller eyes you know forehead bigger and I uh, dr roberta i'm doing this and i'm and, and i'm making all these it, it's like you know color forms here i'm like you're trying to make all these different shapes and everything and finally when i finish i'm looking at this app saying who is this person i don't even know who this person is so you can yeah. totally totally adjust everything your eyes your nose your chin and everything to a point where your mother wouldn't even recognize you absolutely
0: yeah that um one of those apps i was Preparing for a talk, and I have a 13-year-old son, and he said, "Oh, Dad, you, you should, you know, talk about this particular app." and And I had never heard of it, and he showed it to me, and he said that some of his friends, you know, sort of do it, and you know, they play around with it and whatnot. And I had that exact same reaction. I thought, "Wow, that's really interesting." And and when you actually talk to cosmetic surgeons, a lot of them will say that, whereas. 15 years ago, people would come in with a photo of a celebrity and say, I want that celebrity's nose, I want that celebrity's butt, I want that celebrity's breast. Now they're coming in with their own photo altered by these apps saying, well, this is what I want to look like. Like, this is my ideal self. And the problem with that is that I treat a lot of college students, a lot of young people who, you know, now dating, you know, is is something that you'll often see, you know, through apps. But people are getting pictures of themselves digitally altering Mm -hmm. them, posting those pictures on dating sites. And it's just such a terrible setup, and what happens is, okay, so now you're posting this picture of someone that doesn't really look like you, and not that there's anything even wrong with how you originally look, but how will that come across now to this person, let's say, that you're meeting for the first time, and they're automatically going to be off-put by the fact that you clearly altered, you know, your image in in that way. It just, it's, there's almost something that's automatically suspicious or not trusting about it, regardless of even what your appearance is. What does that mean about how we feel about the worth and value of our bodies in general, if we feel the need to have to make all of those adjustments? Like there's just this psyche part of it. That's really important for people to understand that that what message that sends internally,
1: right? And you know, you have so many influencers, especially on social media, that are you know potentially making these uh, adjustments, photoshopping, or changing things so that that the person viewing it thinks that this is reality. So I was looking at this app that the the app that you can alter the uh, your facial features, your eyes, your nose, your mouth, or whatever you want to do. And I was looking at the comments that people leave after using the app, and this this female had posted that she, she just absolutely loved this app because it allowed her to change the features and gave me something to be glad about. Mm. And, and so I'm looking at this, and I'm saying... What? Like that's so sad, and so what I'm saying is, my goodness. So, are you looking to social media? Are you looking to the media, and you're trying to compare yourself, and therefore you, you know, you're comparing yourself to something that they may have altered, and and it's craziness because, and then and that you make you feel bad about yourself.
0: Absolutely, I mean that's exactly what the studies show, and you're absolutely right. I mean. You know, when you look at imagery, I mean, part of one of the things that the messages I hope that people can get across from from our conversation is we really have to fully be media literate in the sense that, of course, people know that a lot of these images might be digitally enhanced. But to really understand when our self-talk is being activated. We all have self-talk mm-hmm. about our bodies and our appearance, and I um, I encourage everyone who's listening to this to, as a homework assignment, be aware of what your self-talk is. When you look in the mirror, do you say, oh, I look good today, and I'm about to start the day? Do you think, oh, I'm a fat pig? Do you mm-hmm. think, oh, I'm so weak-looking? And be aware of that, and how all of those images that you're seeing factor into your self-talk. Like, do you think Oh, okay there's Kim Kardashian of course she has you know a makeup artist that spends hours on her makeup and her hair and um, which is you know half real and half extensions and and she is digitally enhanced in these photos so of course I you know it would be unrealistic to even compare myself to that or do you think wow Kim Kardashian is so pretty I'm not like her therefore I'm I'm inferior I'm less than and that's so important to be aware of what that self-talk is because you're right where it's almost as kind of insanity of what we're even comparing
1: ourselves to right you know uh, it's interesting because years ago when we looked at magazines or even television shows If it was a magazine, you may have been looking at maybe the person's hair or or what they were wearing. But now it's with this interactivity on social media, we sort of get sucked into their lives. And we kind of think that we're into their lives and they're following them every day. And so, again, they may be made up and photo enhanced every day. But we're thinking this is – they're not. We forget that part, which I think is really important.
0: That's right. That's right. I mean, they don't really look that way going to a grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, you know, I think I, I always tell, I remember once working with a, a woman who she had just given birth to twins and was um, had incredible body image dissatisfaction that she had not lost um, the, the baby weight. Now, literally, we're talking maybe a month and a mm-hmm. half after having twins. Um, and I said, well, first of all, where is this pressure even coming from that you have to lose that baby weight, you know, right away? I mean, your body, you know, especially a woman's body, is is needs to sort of go on its own pace. Especially, you just had babies, mm-hmm. um, and she actually says, "She goes, well, I saw." Um, I think it was Jennifer Lopez or some celebrity. I think, yes, it was Jennifer Lopez because she had twins as well. And she said, Oh, I saw J Lo on the tonight show. And you know, it was, she looked great after 30 days. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, J Lo, first of all has nannies and she has a personal trainer and it's her job. Like she's being paid millions and millions of dollars to get her body back into a certain place, um, where that's not, that's not reality for most people. And, it was almost and she's a very intelligent woman you know my patient and she said oh, you know what i never thought of that right. and i get that i understand why she never thought of that because it's presented like sometimes occasionally you'll get celebrities that put it out there which i i respect when they say well you know look i have nannies and i have people that do a lot of the things that you know most people uh, don't have the privilege of doing and so in other words don't put me up on this pedestal but this, most of them will say, "Oh, thank you." When people are like, "Oh, you lost all the weight," and it's just, I don't know. The whole conversation gets—it's uh, so inaccurate in so many ways.
1: Right. And maybe we, what we have to do is we have to look at this and saying, when we look at social media, say this is fiction. This is not nonfiction. So, you know, so the words, so what we're looking mm-hmm. at, this is like a novel, a fiction, where this is a made up story because yeah. their lifestyle is made up with all the support that they have. So, maybe we need to think about that. We're looking at fiction when we look at some, some of these social medias. <laughs> this whole body image goes back um, to little girls and little boys. And let's start with Barbie. Like, hello. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, wh- my goodness gracious, and I read this fascinating book called Barbie and Ruth. And mm. what it was is it was um, about Ruth Handler, who was the owner of Mattel. She's now passed away. And her daughter, Barbara. I guess, hello, Barbie. Mm. And so when she was took uh, Barbara to uh, Europe... She, the the girl, got infatuated with this doll, this doll, and the doll was um, made after a, a German cartoon character called Lily, who was actually a prostitute. I mean, I don't think the mother Ruth Handler at the time understood the doll was made after a prostitute, and what she noticed was Barbara became infatuated with this doll because dressing her and putting clothes on at that time there was no doll uh, um, that was like that so uh, Ruth handler brought it back to the the people in Mattels and said I make this doll but let's get a doll that we can go for these students and so when you think about it I mean I don't think poor Ruth knew that the doll was you know manufactured as a prostitute but when you think about that it, it, it almost like oh my goodness gracious so you have these little girls playing with Barbie, and who was Barbie role model, really?
0: Mm. Yeah, and as we know, I mean, there's a the famous one of those studies that you hear about, especially in the body image field, that uh, was done, I believe, in 1980, that showed that if Barbie, um, the doll at that time, were a real-life human female, her dimensions would be just completely uh, disproportionate, that she would be... Um, Pretty probably anorexic, um, and that it was very impossible to even achieve that kind of body. And you know, it's it's one of those things. It doesn't mean that you know playing bar- with Barbie dolls is going to give you eating disorders. However, at the same time, it is important to understand. Well, what what message is that sending? Like, why was it until just recently, uh, as you probably know that. Um, Mattel has now introduced a different a line of different Barbie dolls of different bodies they have curvy they have petite they have tall um but honestly, the main reason they did that is because sales have gone down right. that a lot of moms are not buying Barbie dolls anymore for their daughters um because they think it's not a good role model that it's not uh we know there's more of a dialogue now about the role and the importance of of body image and healthy body image. Um, I did a study actually in the late 90s that sort of looked at the uh, the analogy of Barbie dolls with boys, and we looked at action figures, things like G.I. Joe action figures and Batman. And G.I. Joe, which has been around you know for decades, um, was actually the most interesting because we measured the dimensions of G.I. Joe from the 1960s action figures, 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, and he's gotten significantly more muscular. I mean, actually, the 1990s version that we measured, he his if he were a real life human male, his waist would be the same size as his bicep. And in fact, the action figure is so top heavy because he's so muscular um, that he's it, it's very difficult to even stand him up to photo. To, I remember when we had to photograph the action figure, um, and a lot of if you see Batman, you know, with the not even the six pack, it's an eight-pack and mm. all these defined muscles. Um, but what was the most fascinating from that study was we looked at Star Wars action figures. Mm. So Star Wars came out in the late 1970s, and they had an action figure line. And then at that time, so this was in the mid-'90s, they re-released the Star Wars movies in the theaters. They were remastered, and they re-released the action figure line. But what was interesting is both Luke Skywalker and Han Solo uh, clearly spent a lot of time at the gym, or their action figure versions did, because they got significantly more muscular, their waist shrunk, and this is based on the same character. I mean, we're not even talking about a different version of Luke Skywalker. This is the same Luke Skywalker from the same movie. And so when we published the paper that toy. Maker, you know, published a statement saying, you know, we had uh, there was no intentional um, attitude or anything to make the action figure more muscular, but uh, clearly there was. And also, as an aside, Princess Leia, her breast size tripled in the action figure from the time of the 70s to the 90s. So it's something. What what is going on? You know, why is this this intentional push? Towards making uh, these bodies look, you know, this way that is just not realistic.
1: You know, I want to tell you something that uh, I read that that study that you uh, published it was fascinating about the action figures, and I'm going to put on the spot on Facebook page this visual that came from your study. But it is the 1970s Star Wars action figures, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, compared to where in the 1970s compared to the the same characters in the 1990s, and I'm telling you, look, if you can visually think about this, the one in the 1990s looks like The Rock, looks like Dwayne Johnson. I mean, he's so, <laughs> he's so built up. I, if I ever saw this guy in a dark alley, I'd be a nervous wreck. I mean, this guy is so jacked up there, and and I'm looking at this, and it's the same thing, like, Barbie, like, so So, what messages is this telling little boys? Uh you know, if this is the, the character and they're playing with something like that, is what message is this sending?
0: Exactly. I mean, even the actor, Mark Hamill, uh, was actually quoted as saying, oh, my gosh, they put me on steroids when he <laughs> saw the, the new action figure. So when the actor is saying that, right. clearly, you know, something is going on. And there's no question. And this is where, you know, my, my research and clinical work and working with boys is – You know, unlike um, like diet pills and things like that that you'll see with women, you know, with boys, you'll see uh, these supplements that are, you know, sold in these quote unquote health food stores um, that are not necessarily healthy for them and anabolic steroids, Mm. which are. Um, very epidemic. I've worked with boys as young as 13 who are injecting anabolic steroids. Who some of whom got them from dealers in high schools, and some of them who ordered them over the internet. Um, and it's a problem. And it's it's one of those things that people think, oh well, you know, not there aren't that many people doing steroids. Well, now, unlike the late 80s, where a lot of the people who were doing steroids were looking like massive, like really, really big. Now we see that less. So we're, you know, I almost refer to it as politely roiding themselves where they're taking steroids, but they don't look massive where it's Mm -hmm. obvious that they're taking steroids, but it's enough that they have the kind of body that people would be like, wow, you really work out. And that's a very hidden epidemic that a lot of people don't still don't understand the extent of steroid use and these are guys again when they're at the gym four or five hours a day nobody thinks they have a problem they Mm -hmm. think wow he's so disciplined he's Mm -hmm. so dedicated but if there was a woman running on a treadmill for five hours you know in in the gym um you know most people would be a little suspicious of that you know unless maybe she was training for a marathon or something Mm -hmm. like that but um so we have to definitely pay attention to that as well with boys
1: you know that's so interesting because when you when you look at you know the body image issue among females, as you just said, they're dieting or trying to get more slender to follow whatever the social media messages or, the, or in the magazines. But the, with the with the guys, it's the direct opposite. They want to they're beefing up, trying to get more muscular.
0: Right. So I do see you know even with the men that I and the boys that I've treated with anorexia, that's you know some of them. Definitely uh, present in ways that you would typically see, you know, with girls as well. They want to be super skinny, but the, honestly, the overwhelming majority, even though they're anorexic where they're restricting their food, the interesting thing is is that they don't want to be skinny. They'll tell you that they're very unhappy that they're so skinny. Um, but they don't want to be fat either and and gain weight. They want to be lean with Mm. very little body fat. And so if you told, you know, if I told my patient, okay, well, here's, you know, your meal plan and I guarantee everything you eat is gonna turn into muscle, they'll eat it without a problem. And whereas with women, that's not the case. You know, gaining weight is the same as gaining fat in their mind, but with boys and men, being overweight and being over fat are two completely different constructs. You yeah. know, m- most men I treat don't care what weight they are. Right. They care what body fat percentage
1: yeah, they are. Right. That's so, so interesting. So, again, it's it's more visual. Tell us what the Adonis Complex, can you tell us a little about this because this is fascinating.
0: Sure. So Adonis Complex was a a culmination of the research that myself, my colleagues, Harrison Pope, who's a psychiatrist at McLean Hospital, and um, my mentor uh, when I was in college and grad school, um, and Catherine Phillips, who's now at Cornell in New York and at that time was at Brown, we, over the years, had just collaborated on various studies looking at um, men in body dysmorphic disorder, men in eating disorders, something called muscle dysmorphia, which is a type of BDD where men who are actually quite large and muscular see themselves as looking too puny or too weak, almost Mm -hmm. a reverse of anorexia, And so we decided to put this all in a book, and um, we coined this phrase, the Adonis complex. It's not a clinical term, but more to kind of uh, denote all the different manifestations of body image problems. And Adonis, for people who may know, was a mythological character. He was half man, half God, and he really represented the ideal in masculine beauty. So all the men wanted to look like him, all the women desired him, he was strong, strong jawline, powerful, um, sort of all the the archetype of masculinity. And that's what we sort of called it. But in the book, we talk about males and eating disorders, BDD, steroid use, cosmetic surgery, uh, media impact on boys' body image. So all the issues that you've heard about with girls and women we talk about with boys and men All
1: right you know we are going to put up um uh the link to the articles and a link to the your book the adonis complex on uh, the spot on facebook page i think what one, one very key word that you just said is that adonis myth that's key mm-hmm. It's a well, mm-hmm. he was mythological. So this this is not yes. a real person. So we we go back to the fact that you know these these magazines were airbrushed. Barbie doll is is basically a myth. She couldn't exist today. So again, mm-hmm. we go back to comparisons of people that are were not real, and yes. going back to social media. What we're seeing are really people that not real. You know, if they're having their celebrities that are made to perform, and that's maybe what social media is, a performance, a visual performance. And we have to we have to remember that. So how yeah. can how can we use social media for change? Like what can we do? You know, as you as you said that the moms said, look at I'm not buying the Barbie doll because this is crazy. This is a this is an unrealistic image. I'm not having my, my, my girl uh children playing with Barbie doll. So what what can we do as the consumer to speak out um, and use social media for good?
0: Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, social media isn't overall a bad thing. And, and I think that it absolutely has its benefits. Um, one, I guess, is for people to just even be – I always tell people we should all be aware of our own um, talk and what we're posting, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and how we're – critiquing other people um, and what we're saying and communicating about sort of our judgments um, around body image and and whatnot because I find, you know, all of us, certainly we all have our judgments and our biases, but, you know, to be aware not only of our body image self-talk, but our self- our talk around how we think about other body images. Mm -hmm. When we see someone who, you know, might be in a larger body, when we see someone who's you know, thin, um, You know, do we, you know, do we make assumptions um, in a negative way about them? Um, But also with social media is spreading sort of information, like accurate information about how to uh, promote healthy body image, you Mm -hmm. know, how even as young as, you know, in kindergarten, I mean, you can, you don't have to talk about eating disorders in kindergarten, but how do you promote, you know, in very young kids to have them even think about their bodies, especially for girls, because, you know, girls often their body image gets so wrapped up into this aesthetic framework mm-hmm. at a very early age. Oh, you're so pretty. You're so pretty. And okay, that's one thing. But, you know, what about how they might dance or how they might be athletic or how they draw or how they play guitar, you know, that, their bodies are capable of doing lots of things, and the same with boys. And a lot of times, the messaging with boys: "Oh, you're so strong," and and this notion that that that's the only way that their bodies, you know, can be, as opposed to you know what are other language that we have um, for parents to be aware of their, the language that they use for themselves. I mean, I a lot of the young people that I've treated with eating disorders you know, unfortunately, you know, they'll say, um, you know, I hear my dad or my mom talk about how upset they are um, about their weight all the time. Mm -hmm. And of course, the last thing a parent wants to do is to influence their child negatively like that. Mm -hmm. But they weren't even aware. Um, You know, this mom said, I assumed if I ever had a daughter that, of course, I'd be careful with that talk. But I just didn't think of that with the son. Like, I didn't think that that could influence the boy and his body image and how he thinks of his weight hearing me talk about how much i hate my body and i said of course it does i right. said either it doesn't matter whether you're the mom or the dad you're you're modeling and you're teaching something so how can parents support each other how can college students support each other because the college environment is an intense environment and it's actually one of those transition points that will sometimes see an increase in eating disorders people that that transition for a lot of people is very overwhelming so how can college students uh, support each other how to encourage just healthy eating um, in in general not to look at food as good food and bad food Um, how to really kind of get away from that like black and white thinking about food how to engage in and healthy activity that it doesn't have to even be going to the gym five times a week it could go going for a walk with a friend it could be going you know dancing it could be you know using your body in different ways um and then you know if 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 you're commenting on a celebrity or, or whatnot you know i think it's always important and it doesn't have to um denigrate the celebrity in any way but you know to post Hey, this person looks good. Given that you know all of these things were were sort of done, this is a nice picture. Like I might often comment, like saying, "Oh, that's a nice picture of someone," but that's different than saying, "Oh, that person looks good," because right. I'm aware I'm aware that that. Is not even it's not really accurate, but the picture might look good, just like right. a painting can right. look good. Um, and it's just a representation of something. Right. But to to definitely spread the word in that way, so that there's just a different language that we use in talking about it.
1: Right. You might want to say something like, "Oh, you look so happy in that picture. Good for you. You know, you're making yeah. me smile. Yeah. Something more positive. And you know, you exactly. could and, and get help because you know if if this is something that. You're spending a lot of time worrying about um, get help, you know, student health services, and talk to somebody about it because, it, you know, it shouldn't be taking up most of your day. And, and we talked about um, it, it's very, very draining. You know, I often um, say to my children, I said, that, you know, the most attractive part of your body is your brain. So it's, you know, and the outside is really it's what's the inside and how you think and how you look and how nice you are to people. That's what makes you uh, attractive and a person that wants to be around. So I, I want to thank you so much. This has been so enlightening, and uh, I was fascinated by this talk, um, this this subject matter. I'm hoping that the, your words of wisdom here can really help every which it can. So again, we're going to put all the supporting information up on the spot-on Facebook page, and I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom with us today.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. It was absolutely my pleasure.
1: Thank you for listening to Spot On. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji Blake. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Joan Salgi Blake. Please subscribe to Spot On through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you find your podcasts. Also, visit our Facebook page to join the conversation and tell us what you'd like to hear in future episodes. And oh, by the way, could you ask five of your friends or family members to download Spot On and subscribe to it? Do I ask a lot from you?